0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Seal, and this is the Holistic Nutrition Hub podcast, the show where we discuss all the important topics that will help you succeed in the nutrition industry. So in this week's episode, I interviewed Jake Tohill, who wrote an article for The Hub a while ago. Uh, the article is entitled, Marketing Mistakes That Can Hurt Your Nutrition Business. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it'll be in the show notes. You can find the show notes at holisticnutritionhub.ca slash blog slash HNHP 0 five uh, so go there if you want to see the show notes there's a couple links to books that Jake recommended during the podcast you can find them there uh, so during this podcast we uh, focused on sales psychology something that Jake has studied extensively that he uses as a copywriter a lot to help uh, natural health businesses get more customers so if you're interested in sales psychology and learn more about how it can help you get uh, more customers uh, definitely have a listen into the episode uh, you won't regret it enjoy the show Hey, Jake, how are you doing?
1: Good. How's it going, Sean?
0: Good. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, You wrote an article for us a while ago, a guest post on the importance of sales psychology. So I wanted to have you on here on the podcast so we could discuss some of the topics more in detail and people could get the most out of it and hopefully transfer that to uh, their small businesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Super excited to be here and uh, really excited to share what I know.
0: So let's start with maybe your background, where you came from, and how you got to uh, being interested in sales psychology and direct response copywriting.
1: Yeah. So basically, I'm what's called a direct response copywriter. Um, Originally, I uh, worked in marketing... and then I kind of stumbled into freelance writing and I fell into regular copywriting. And uh, eventually, I, I, I started specializing in direct response. So just to give you a little bit of background on that, there's there's two types of copywriters. Uh, there's creative copywriters and direct response copywriters. Uh, both write advertisements, but creative copywriters focus more on the, the creative aspect. So they'll write you know funny, amusing commercials and stuff for big brands. Uh, direct response copywriters focus more on sales and getting the customer to, to take an action right away and, and make a purchase.
0: And so when we come to the sales part, uh, can you talk about the relationship between the emotional side and the logical side of our brain and how this works and how we can leverage that as small business owners to try and get more clients and improve sales?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is really fascinating. And it's something that that not a lot of people know. Um, So when it comes to making a purchase, we actually buy things using emotion, and then we justify it using logic. Uh, whether or not you're aware of it, that's just that's just the way it works. Um, it's, it's well established in psychology and neuroscience. And there's there's many scientific studies that repeat this and prove it over and over and over again. So um, I have a really good example here. So one is uh, uh, car sales. Um, Logically, there's there's no reason to buy a luxury car. A lot of people don't like to hear that. That's just you know th- there's no logical reason to buy one. Um, what they do is they go in and they make an emotional decision, and then they convince themselves on the features. So that so for example. Um, they'll say stuff like, oh, it's safety tested, so it keeps my kids safe, or the seats are cushioned, it'll help with my back pain, or, oh, I really need a, a, a car, I drive to work every day, and I need a reliable car. So, um, they've already convinced themselves logically on a, a, a emotional purchase. Uh, why do we make emotional purchases? That's just, I, I don't know, it's just the way the brain works. Um why would someone emotionally buy a car i don't want to get too deep into it but one potential reason is to to elevate their status um we all kind of uh our brains are kind of back in hunter gatherer days still so the higher status you have back in the hunter gatherer days uh the better off you are in your tribe so we actually equate luxury purchases like cars or luxury brands with a with a higher status so um, I guess one way you could, you could turn that into uh, beneficial for your ads would be to use emotion in your advertising, not just logic. Logic alone doesn't work. If you go out there and write an ad, like 100 reasons why you should buy my service, it's, it's boring. Um, it, it almost sounds like you're trying to argue your customer into buying. So what I always say is sell to the heart first, the mind second.
0: And um, how can one figure out, Uh, what the the emotional side is of their audience how can uh, can they extract that extract that information to then use it in their their copy or in their ads
1: yeah so this this really just goes back to knowing your customer as a business owner you should know your customer better than they know themselves Um, you need to think about the reasons why they're purchasing something so let's talk about you know nutritionists specifically Um, why would a customer want to go see a nutritionist maybe they want to get healthy Uh, yeah, that's, that's one reason, but that's a, that's a surface level reason. Why do they want to get healthy? So a good way to find out some of the deeper reasons why someone's buying something or or in particular buying your service, you ask the question, so what? So, um, why, why are they seeing a nutritionist? They want to get healthy. So what? So they have more energy and feel better. Okay. So we're getting a little bit, you know, we're getting a little deeper there. Uh, so what have more energy and feel better? So what? So they don't lose their job. And let their family down now that's yeah you know, that's, that's a little dark but that's that's one potential reason one potential deep reason why someone would would want to improve their health uh now if you're writing advertising you, you can't call that out you can't say hey come sign up for my services so you know you and your family don't live in a box but you can hint on it um you could say something like you know sign up and and learn how you can have the energy to it to enjoy life and, and have the energy to go to work every day um So to find all that stuff, you should either A, if you have a current customer base, send them surveys uh, or B, uh, look online, go through social media, go through forums, uh, find your target customer and start reading about them. Start trying to understand what their pain points are and then market to that.
0: And so in sales, uh, or I guess in uh, neuroscience, this thing's called uh, cognitive biases. And, and so there's ways that we can leverage those in order to improve our sales process and eventually grow our business. So could you talk about some of the biggest cognitive biases that we have that we might not be, even be aware of, but that we do act upon uh, on a daily basis and, and how we can use that uh, as nutritionists to, to do a better job?
1: Yeah, so this is this is super fascinating. Uh, we all have these things called cognitive biases, and there's hundreds and hundreds of them. I'm just going to talk about a couple uh, really easy ones that you can go ahead and you know, implement right now and start seeing immediate results. Um, so all of us are, are have these deeply ingrained thought processes. Uh, we all think a certain way, and and, and our, our our brain kind of rules the way we think. And a lot of us, it, it just happens. We don't we don't even realize it's happening. So you know, you're living in 2018. But your mind is still in hunter-gatherer days um so you know going kind of like meta level uh, what humans want the most is a to find a mate and b to survive um so going back to the car example a lot of men actually buy luxury cars because it puts them higher on the status pole and it makes them appear like a suitable mate so it's, it's really interesting that kind of ties into luxury brands uh, a lot of customers buy luxury ba- brands because it, it makes them higher up on status and more suitable as a mate so if that's something that you know, I, I think a lot of people should know, um, you can look up uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's basically a pyramid made by a psychologist. And at the bottom level, it shows our highest needs, you know, food, water, that kind of stuff. And once that's taken care of, then it goes up a level. So once you understand that, you can kind of understand that the core needs of, uh, of people, but anyway, one of the, the biggest cognitive biases is called the rule of reciprocity. And what that is, is we want to return favors. Um, I think it can be traced back to hunter-gatherer days and, and building relationships with tribes As that one tribe gave a gift and another tribe returned the gift. But anyway, uh, naturally, we're compelled to return favors. So a good example is if you're at the grocery store and there's a little old lady there giving away free samples and you go up to her and she gives you one and you try it. And then there's that, that awkward period where you stand there and are, are you going to buy what she just gave you or not? So... Um, most people feel super guilty. They end up taking one of the products and then they wheel their cart into another <laughs> aisle and they, they chuck the product on the shelf because they, ju- they just don't want it. Um, they, they were just too afraid to say no. And that's that's the rule of reciprocity, uh, kicking you in the butt. It's That's just how powerful it is. Another good example is holiday cards. You ever get a holiday card from you know, your your uncle and you, you never return it, you never mail them a holiday card, you're like, oh, next year I'll send them one. And you never send them one. And you feel super guilty, that's... That's the rule of reciprocity. It's just how powerful it is. So how that works for business. Um, Give away something for free. Uh, It doesn't have to be expensive. It could be for your current customers. It could be just a simple thank you note. Uh, Surprise them with something. Uh, Maybe a small book, uh, a simple recipe list, anything like that. Um, For new customers, you could advertise like a 15-minute consultation or something free just to get them in the door. And once they're in the door, make sure you ask them to go ahead and schedule an appointment. And because you gave them something, they're going to feel compelled to say yes. Uh, a quick personal example is actually I had a super long project recently, and I was I was extremely stiff. I went and saw a massage therapist. And um, when I was done, I took my wallet out to pay, but she actually like sat down. She gave me a glass of water and she took out this book and she showed me all these different stretches that I could do to uh, feel better and she actually she actually got on the ground and she started laying around and stretching and i was i was just blown away like i didn't i did not expect her to do that and i ended up uh, scheduling three more appointments to see her so that's that's just you know how powerful the rule of reciprocity is hmm. um there's a, two more that i want to talk about one is social proof so this one's pretty interesting We actually look to other people to, uh, make the correct decision. So for an example, um, like a birthday party, let's say you get invited to a birthday party or or some unfamiliar house. The first thing you do when you walk in there is, is generally look around and you're going to see what other people are doing. If you see people serving themselves food, you're going to get up and you're going to do the same. If you see other people laying around on the couch, you can be like, oh, okay, I can go sit down. Um, Another example is if you're walking down the street and there's like an emergency, like a car crash or someone hurts themselves, you're going to stop and you, you're going to literally look around and see what other people are going to be doing before you make a decision. So um, how this works for business um, testimonials. This is one reason why testimonials are so powerful because when someone sees those, they're going to know that you know, you're know you good and they can go ahead and go there. So um, if you have a current clientele base Make sure you get written testimonials from them. Uh, It could be written or it could be video. If you have case studies, share them. Um, If you've helped a certain number of people, say it. Like If you've had 100 customers or, or 300 over your lifetime, just say it. I've helped dozens of people or I've helped 300 people get fit and healthy. Um, Now, if you're new to the business and you don't have results to share, there's a little trick you can do to kind of borrow social proof. So how you do this is look for public statistics on nutritionists. Um, So, for example, maybe there's some statistic out there that says uh, X number of people visit a nutritionist every year and or... 70% 70% of people feel better after this. Just find some type of public statistic and share it on your website. Something about how many people go see nutritionists. So that's a, that's a good way to, to have a little bit of social proof if you haven't had clients before.
0: Yeah, I've um, never thought about the, um, the public statistics before, but it's definitely a good one for people who are just starting out and don't necessarily have their own numbers to share. Uh, and th- something I thought of that would maybe tie together the rule of reciprocity and the social proof is when asking for a testimonial, I found that I got the best um, returns when I asked for a testimonial right after they had a big breakthrough as a client. Uh, whether I, it was after, so I'm a personal trainer myself, so after a really good session or after they shared some good progress, like you know they had to throw out all their clothes and buy new ones because they they went down two sizes. Um, and I find that that's the best time to just then ask them for a testimonial because they, again, they, they feel like you provided what you, you know, what they hired you for really. Uh, but then they, they want to give back. And so that's, that's kind of the best time to, to ask for a testimonial.
1: Yeah, Sean, that's actually a really great example of the rule of reciprocity. So, uh, I mean, if your customer is happy, they're, they're going to have no problem at all giving you a, a glowing testimonial. So yeah, if, if, you've, if they've experienced good results, ask them for it. Absolutely. Um, so another one is uh, the commitment principle. So basically what this one is, is when people commit to something, they're more likely to follow through and take another action. So there's a lot of different ways you can apply this, but I'm just going to get into a couple. Uh, what that means is if you ask someone to do something and they agree, they're even more likely to agree to your next request as well. So uh, a couple quick examples back to the car dealership Uh, you know, there's all these kind of add-ons you could add onto your car stereo and rims. I mean, you could add like $15,000 worth of things onto your $15,000 car. Uh, If the salesman comes up to you and he starts asking you about add-ons right away, you can be like, no, I don't want to put $500 into my rims or I don't want a $200 carpeting for my shoes. Uh, yeah. So, but after you buy the car, if you, when you're actually sitting down and you're getting ready to sign off on it, you, you've already spent 25,000. That's when they sit down and they start asking you for add-ons and you're actually, most people do add some stuff into their car. Um, it's, it's much easier to so suddenly the two to $300 add-on doesn't seem so bad when you're spending 25,000, but upfront two to 300 sounds like a lot of money. So, so how, uh,
0: how can a nutritionist leverage that into, in their business?
1: Yeah, so basically upsell. So um, your current, think about your current customer base. What else can you sell to them? Um, I, I know some, like like for example, massage therapists. They like to buy uh, essential oils, and then they'll go ahead and ups, sell the essential oils to the customers. So because your current clients have already agreed to your service, it's much, it, it's actually really easy to, to sell them on additional things. So there's a lot of ways you could go about it. You could find really useful products for uh, the customers, um, books, anything like that. At, where at the end of the appointment, you can recommend something and, and make a little bit of money on it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, I, I never thought of that in the sense that, uh, it's a good way to, and also, I mean, as long as you trust the product and the company, that's and it's something you use yourself, you're doing them a favor essentially by reckon- recommending them that's complementary to what you offer first, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And it, it should be something that genuinely, genuinely helps them. You're not just there to, to you know, leech a bunch of money off them. You, it should be a really good product that'll really help them. And it, it shouldn't, in general, it shouldn't cost as much as your service. So if you're charging hundred fifty dollars for an appointment, you should pick a, like a lower price product, like twenty or thirty dollars or or fifty dollars, something like that, something smaller. And uh, th- generally, you're going to have a pretty good shot at saying yes. And over time, that can add up to a lot of money. Um, you know, if you're selling it to your current client base over five, ten years, I mean, that could add up to tens of thousands of dollars.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so, with those cognitive biases in mind, I really like the rule of reciprocity. I think that's a very, very powerful one. Um, how can how can we turn that into you know advertisement for our small business and and start bringing clients in? What's the best way to do that for a small business?
1: Yeah, so I mean, there's there's dozens and dozens of different ways to to market your small business, and I, I don't think there's a like a one size fits all approach. It really depends on what you're doing. Uh, but one very effective method is uh, Facebook ads. Facebook ads work so well for small businesses right now. Um, so one way you could do that is uh, kind of if you if you have a Facebook wall at the bottom, I think the bottom left corner of Facebook, there's a little button that says Create an ad. And you can get in there and I mean, you could target, you, you could get really specific with your targeting. I mean, you could pick people between age 20 to 50 and they have this amount of interest and it, they like this amount of pages and you could write an ad that'll actually show up on their wall. Um, in general, I think it costs like a, it's like a per click cost basis. So every time the customer clicks the ad, it, you might get charged like you know, 10 cents or 5 cents. Um the more people that click it the higher chance you have of actually getting more customers so it's 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 extremely effective
0: and what about for people who might not be you know well acquainted with facebook ads what's is there an easy place to start with those
1: uh, i'd probably just pick up a book it's it's very uh it's very simple to set up the ad it, it can get a little difficult if you get really into all the technicalities of it but uh, there's basically two ways you can go about it you can you can grab a resource on Facebook ads. Um, but if you don't want to get into it, I would just look for a Facebook ad marketer. Uh, a lot of people are getting really positive uh, ROIs on Facebook right now. So for example, a business owner might put $200 down, $200 down in a Facebook ad, but they end up getting like five or $6,000 worth of customers off of their $200 ad. Um, I've actually had some clients request to just stop the ads because they they get overbooked they they have so many <laughs> customers that they actually can't handle the ads anymore it's, it's super effective right i i don't think i've seen any small business where the ads haven't been effective all of them result in in many many customers
0: and so what's the what's the biggest mistake that people make when they when they put together their first facebook ads what's usually missing in there
1: Um, typically it has to do with the writing. They don't, they don't write it too well. Uh, sometimes the, the, copywriting is a bit off. So you, you do want to, before you write the ad, um, I would just kind of Google, you know, Facebook how to write a Facebook, good Facebook ad and just make sure you're, you're, you're writing a really good ad because if, if you, if you pay money for it and and you write just a really bad ad, it's just, you're, you're not going to get a high conversion rate. So either a, uh, Google some resources on how to write a good ad. And I think it goes back to the rule of reciprocity. Um, And some of the other stuff we just talked about, you could say in the ad, you know, free 15 minute appointment or or free book. And uh, people generally are going to want to click that.
0: And how do you how do you measure, uh, you know, the returns on the ads that you put in without, you know, that's a very deep topic. But without going too far into the weeds, uh, what's it what's an easy way for a small business owner to measure whether the ad that they put up is actually effective or not?
1: Yeah, so a couple different ways. Um, one, Facebook does it for you. They're going to show your conversion rate. You're going to know how much it costs uh, f- you for each customer to click the ad, and what percentage of the customers actually go ahead and convert. Um, so Facebook kind of breaks it down for you. But one simple way is uh, just have them call and mention a coupon code. So like in the ad, you could say, "Call you know your phone number and and mention this coupon code." Like I don't know save 10 and and get 10% off and you know everyone that calls in with that coupon code is is a direct result of your Facebook ad. So then you just keep track how much money have those customers brought in, how much money have you spent on the ad and and you kind of tweak from there.
0: That's a really easy way to to measure returns without going into analytics and and all these these numbers that can get pretty complicated pretty quickly if you don't know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And for those who are let's say, you know, for those who are afraid of selling how do you how do you convince them that it's the right thing to do
1: yeah so this is a problem a lot of small business owners face um, they tend to be very good at what they do but they're a little bit terrified of marketing or selling and um, I, I think really there's there's a negative st- stigma attached to sales when you say sales a lot of people think sleazy used car salesmen and unfortunately that's you know a, a result of media and Marketing and movies and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's not true. If you have a really good product or a, a good service, there's no reason to feel bad about sales. Selling, at its very core, is about helping people. It's about connecting your product or service with someone who needs it. A lot of people today are stuck in this this negative rut. They're in this this negative feedback loop. They have. R- problems and they need help but they don't know what to do about it so as a small business owner as a nutritionist you have the answer to their problems so you have to speak up and tell them you have to get their attention and make them take an action and and i think us as business owners you know we have a a duty and responsibility to to get out there and, and help people so uh dialing back a little bit the big reason why people are afraid of selling or marketing it, it goes into fear uh, fear of rejection or fear of failure now this is super interesting the reason why fear is so crippling and it's it's so hard to get out there and and you know ask for a sale or sell yourself is because your brain equates fear with death uh, the reason why it goes back to hunter-gatherer days back then we were in tribes of like two to three hundred people and if you were rejected in your tribe Grok the caveman would bash your head in or he would kick you out of the tribe. And if you were isolated, you were done for, <laughs> you're, you're dead. So your, your brain literally thinks you're going to die. You know, that's why it's so hard. You, you get sweaty palms, your heart race, you're not, you're going to be okay. Um, it, it just, it just happens to all of us. So you, you kind of got to get over your head there. Um, a good example is, uh, about, failure here is uh, Angry Birds. I'm sure everyone's heard of Angry Birds. Super popular app.
0: Um, they yeah, actually, I've, I've, I've thrown my fair share of birds. <laughs> yeah, back in the yeah, me
1: too. I might still have the app on my phone. <laughs> uh, but they actually failed 51 times. They, they had 51 games and they failed every single time. They were in massive debt. They decided to give wow. them one more go. Attempt number two, 52, made Angry Birds. Uh, I think last year they did $200 million in sales. So it's, you know, just imagine if they gave up on attempt 51, Um, you know, failure is, it's, it's part of business. Um, I think we as humans, we crave certainty just because it's safe. We create, we want to be safe. Uh, Really, you should embrace fear, uh, embrace the failure, get out into uh, uncertainty, you know, be uncomfortable. That's, that's really where a lot of the success is just getting out there and, and, and doing it.
0: Yeah, Everything you ever wanted is on the other side of fear, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of things we gain in life out of uh, comfort, you know, think about the gym, you know, it's, it's a little uncomfortable to, to lift, lift heavy weights. It's, it's hard. Um, but there's a lot of gain out of it. So uh, almost everything worthwhile in life is in areas of, of fear and discomfort. That's, you know, that's where we make a lot of strides.
0: Yeah. Jake, that's been great. I really liked uh, the points you put out about the different cognitive biases and how they work and, and how we can you know leverage them to, to run our small businesses. Um, what would be a couple of books that you would recommend if people want to learn more about, about sales psychology? What's the best place to start?
1: Yeah. So um, one universal book would be Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Hopefully, I said his last name right. Uh, It's a really fascinating book and it can apply to any business owner. Um, So that's really the basic. If you want to get a little bit more into it, uh, a good one is Cashvertising. I believe the author is Drew Eric Whitman. And that one kind of goes a little bit deeper into sales psychology and, and how to write really good ads.
0: Fantastic. Um, Where can people find more about you, Jake?
1: Yeah, right on my website. uh, That's jaketohill.com.
0: Again, like I said, you wrote for us. I really like the piece that you wrote. So I highly encourage everybody to go check out your website, see what you provide. And if they're in need of somebody to write for them, uh, definitely uh, check out Jake's work. Uh, It's been a great pleasure to talk to you, Jake. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Sean.
0: Take care, Jake. All right. Bye. Thanks a lot for tuning into the show, guys. If you appreciated the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe and share the episodes with your friends and colleagues. Until next time, take care.